You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast, episode number 20. Today we are joined by Darla Gardner from Miss Gardenia Speech Room. In this episode, we discuss where Darla gets her inspiration, her tips for managing an online business, and what she does for fun outside the speech room. You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast with Kim and Vanita. Just two SLPs in a pod who love their field and supporting fellow SLP bosses. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here are your hosts. When they are not working together on their social book series, Lou Knows What to Do, Vanita can be found traveling or drinking matcha lattes. Kim can be found running marathons or fueling her coffee addiction to function as a mom to a preschooler and an infant. Together, they are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hey, everybody, Kim and Benita here. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow us on Instagram at Speechy Side Up, S P E E C H I E S I D E U P. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Darla Gardner from Miss Gardenia Speech Room. Darla, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a school-based SLP, an SLP in a SNP, and also a TPT creator as well as a blogger. So before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your experience has been, and what you do today? Sure. Um, I have a lot of experience in different settings. So let me tell you a little bit about how I became an SLP. Um, My mom worked in a nursing home when I was growing up. And so every afternoon and break from school was spent with her at work. And when I was in the 10th grade, my leg broke due to a bone tumor. And I spent the entire year in physical therapy after recovering from a couple of different surgeries, which also meant I got to hang out at the nursing home with mom every day because I was wheeling around in my wheelchair. And it was during that time that I decided I wanted to be a therapist. So I started working as a therapy tech at the nursing home right after high school. And I was going to be a physical therapist initially. After enrolling in a kinesiology program at TWU and finding out that I had to take a ropes course, I was out. (laughs) I was like, this is not for me. So that semester I decided not to go to school and I got married instead. So I also looked at applying to an occupational therapy assistant program in our area. And by that time, I was working in a local hospital. I saw in our area, we have a desperate need for SLPs. And so I'd always admired the SLPs who worked at the nursing home. I mean, after all, they were cute and bubbly, and they always dressed, you know, in that typical SLP fashion with their heels (laughs) instead of their tennis shoes and scrubs. And I thought, I can see myself doing that. And especially a lot longer than being a PT or OT because that really wears on your back and your joints, you know. And so I applied to the program at UT Dallas and was accepted into the Fast Track program where I was able to do my master's the final year of my bachelor's degree. And I was barely pregnant when I graduated with my bachelor's, um, just bad enough to be sick, you know, worried walking across the (laughs) stage that I was going to get sick in front of everyone. And then my son was almost a year old when I finished my master's. So I worked in the school district in my town um, through my CFY year, and then I went back to work for the the nursing home company that I had been a rehab tech 
as a full-time therapist. So since that time, I've gone back and forth between school and SNF. Um, the best part was probably being a director of rehab for four years at a small town facility near me. But I think now I'm pretty settled in the school permanently because you just can't beat the schedule. So I, currently I work full-time in the school. I enjoy working PRN and I supervise CFYs who are in our area because there's, like I said, there's just not enough SLPs to cover the area. Um, a lot of things have changed in the SNF setting. So I really don't enjoy working full-time in that setting anymore. So I'm really comfortable in the school. Mm, that's awesome. Thank nice. you for sharing about your story. I had no idea that you had a um, bone tumor when you were I younger. Did. I wow. did. And um, everything's okay now with the leg, uh -huh. obviously. Okay. Yeah. But that experience like was, you know, must have really been interesting. And obviously it led you to speech pathology. So mm -hmm. that's good. <laughs> really cool that you wound up getting your profession after having an experience like that, uh -huh. you know? And right. just the the route that it took to get there, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to do one thing and then I end yeah. up, you know, with something completely different, but I still get to have the best of both worlds. So, yeah, we're so close in collaboration with those two fields anyway. So, mm -hmm. um, how many kids do you have? I have two, Aww. 12 and 15. I'm about to teach one to start driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good luck with that. <laughs> oh my goodness. What area scared. are you in, in Texas? I'm South of Dallas, about 30 okay. miles South of Dallas. Okay. I always thought that that was like such a big metropolitan area, but I guess there's still like a big need for speech pathologist, huh? Yes, yes, absolutely. That wow. was one of the biggest things, one of the biggest struggles working in a, a rural SNF was trying to keep therapists for sure. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, you know what, just in case anyone who's listening who's not a speech pathologist, a SNF is a skilled nursing facility, just so you guys know. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because I thought about that, but thanks for mentioning it. Mm -hmm. So at one point, I actually had a ton of interest in moonlighting as a SNF SLP um, because, you know, we're in South Florida where there's so many nursing homes and so many people who are snowbirds and, and then wind up just staying. Um, and I kind of chickened out at the last minute, to be oh. honest <laughs> with you. Um, but what are some of the lessons that you've learned working in the skilled nursing? Well, I love working in with the elderly. I feel completely at home with them. My favorite thing about working there was um, co-treating with PT and OT because you get to really push patients cognitively and physically and see how they're going to perform in the daily activities once they return home or once they're there in the nursing home long term. I think that our input as SLPs also helps PT and OT to think outside the box because they are so focused on balance and strength, but then you have to have that memory and problem solving component, you know, that really plays a role in their safety. And so I really miss that co-treating by working in the school. But when I was a director, I was, I was really, really happy. I'm so glad I did that. It was just great experience. I always encourage anyone who's working in a SNF to at least be a director for two years because you learn about payroll, you learn about budgets, Medicare reimbursement, and it's, that's the why of all the pressure that's placed on therapists in that setting. I also learned a lot about being a leader and supervising, you know, multiple disciplines of therapists. You learn a lot about PT and OT in that setting. Um, I, I like to believe I had really happy staff whenever I was there. Um, we formed really long-lasting friendships, and we all still, you know, keep in touch. Um, we had a really good reputation as a therapy team. But also, I was the kind of leader who took a lot of pressure on, and I didn't let the negativity filter through to my therapist. So, it caused a lot of undue stress on me, you know, as far as ethically. I learned a lot about ethics working in the SNF. Um, you know, 
when you go into a patient's room, if you're told to do something, you know the point at which it's skilled and when it's not skilled. You know when your patient really needs to be discharged. And there's a lot of pressure from corporate telling you, you know, we have to keep these patients on. This is our income for the facility. And so, you know, we have to stand up for ourselves and we have to advocate for our patients or this trend is going to continue because as long as therapists provide unethical treatment and are willing to do that, companies are going to continue to hire them. So it makes us all look bad as a profession. And so that was something that I really learned how to distinguish between, you know, what is right, what is wrong ethically. And so, you know, in our profession, um, we all fiercely defend our patients and we defend and fight for our patients and and heartbreak is going to happen. It's inevitable because there are things that happen out of our control. And so that caused a lot of stress for me and ultimately led me to leaving that setting and going back to work in this school just for my own sanity and for my family. Mm-hmm. Wow, so I, can it's, imagine. I can definitely imagine that. I feel like I always watched, um, I haven't watched it recently, but like back when it first came on Grey's Anatomy uh-huh. and uh, like that episode where Izzy cuts the LVAT wire and like, you know, she, <laughs> she would just get so attached to the patients uh-huh. and she got so attached to Jenny. And that's why I didn't do mm-hmm. a sniff setting because mm-hmm. I just felt like I was afraid of putting myself in a scenario where I might make a poor choice because I'm attached to someone. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think um, what, what you might think is morally correct is not ethically correct for right. our profession and that's like a really hard place to be in you know mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. and you get very close to those patients because I mean there were some patients that when they passed away the therapy and nursing staff were the only people at their funeral because they had outlived everyone else in their family and so you know that was part of it that I loved was just going to work every day and being surrounded by who is your family you know you got really close to the patients yeah I can imagine. Well, and I would have to say, I would have loved to have you as my director. I imagine you are a great director. Mm -hmm. Um, How many CFs do you have right now? I don't have any right now. I'm currently supervising an assistant who's also in the graduate program at one of our local universities, and she's um, a a bilingual SLP assistant. So it's really exciting to have her, and the next year she'll do her CFY. But I don't have any in the nursing home right now. Okay. All right. Very nice. Well, we love your feeding products. I think everyone else does too. So where do you draw your inspiration for um, your TPT creations? Everything I make comes directly as a need from my therapy room. When I went back to the school, the very last time I was working with preschool and kindergarten age, and I'd been at the junior high and high school level level prior to that. And after working with adults, I had no idea what to do with the little people. I mean, we played a lot and I got to know them and see what motivated them. But I mean, above all else, I could not understand them because I don't, (laughs) I only worked with like R's and S's later in school. And now all of a sudden I had all these phonological kids and I was like, I don't even know what you're saying. How are we supposed to do any therapy here? And so the feeding activities, they just continue to be made more and more because of the reactions that I get when I use them in therapy. I've made some, some therapists have contacted me and asked me to make, Hey, I've got a kid who really likes birds. Can you make a bird one? You know? And so I made one like that. Others have been specific to my own students interests, like the the recent one, the trains and the cars, they just love those. And, and just seeing them play with them in therapy and and use them as a tool to work on their speech sounds. That is what motivates. It's hard to get a lot of repetitions in for little guys. That's one of the things I learned anyway, is like, how do I get, you know, 20, 30, 40 repetitions in per session? Mm-hmm. But if you use the feeding activities, they're really motivated. Um, they're constantly engaged. So I try to use one a week. And especially if we're doing a theme, um, they're really easy to add to sensory bins. 
and I love sensory bins and that brings a whole nother component into the therapy room. And I love using books in therapy. So many of the animals I have that you can feed can be associated with characters in the books. So I just find them really useful for, for young kids and for mixed groups. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. I love your, um, is it Sensory Bend Saturdays that you yes, do? Yes, I've, I've just recently started doing that because I started following the hashtag Sensory Bend on Instagram. And so all these beautiful Sensory Bends come into my feed. And so every time I see one that I like, I just save it. And then each Saturday, I try to kind of group them together so everybody can see the different Sensory Bends that, you know, there are out there and different creative ways to use them because sometimes I'm just blown away by them. I'm just like, these are beautiful. I don't even want to let my kids dig in them they're so pretty you know but the kids just really love them oh my gosh it's so true I'm so glad you brought up that point because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one struggling with this but like when you have a beautiful sensory bin and then like you're like type a part like you have to like just yeah. squelch it and keep it inside like I feel like Elsa from Frozen like don't let it go don't let yeah. it go but I'm really like no don't throw the pieces everywhere or no I'm like keep the beans in the bin <laughs> <laughs> or you know sometimes like children just don't want to play with it the way you envision them playing with it and right you're playing with it wrong but I can't say that right it's not fun <laughs> oh man that's my sensory bin struggle <laughs> And I do that even at home with my own child. I, I love to make like bean sensory bins, but my dog likes to eat the dry beans. So I'm always like, try to I, keep it to the bin. I did learn not to use sensory bins at the nursing home because if there's just the slightest amount of dementia, I looked over and this lady was just eating the beans and I was like, oh. stop, stop. Oh no. So yeah, we didn't, we stopped that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So now, with your caseload, your TPT, your blogging, you have a lot going on on your plate. And we like to talk about life outside the speech room as well. What do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies? I really don't have much time for fun. I used to crochet. I used to try to have little, I'm very crafty. I like to make stuff, but TPT is my creative outlet. And I find so much joy in creating. And then also in using my products, I get really excited whenever I make a new product and I just can't wait to see how my students are going to react to them. So sometimes my entire weekend is spent finishing up that product just so I can have it ready. Um, Outside of TPT, I play the piano at church in our praise band, and so that takes up a couple of days a week for me. It's, it's a lot of fun, um, and I also volunteer at church with our young ladies' ministry, and just today, I volunteered to drive the Sunshine Shuttle. We're going to start picking up the elderly for church, and so I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way to make that really fun. I want, I want it to be fun so when we go pick them up and bring them to church that, you know, they look forward to coming, so... Oh, fun. You should sing on the bus. That's what I was thinking. Exactly what I, was, I was like, every time somebody new gets on the bus, we're going to pick a song and sing until we get to the next house. But I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I'll let y'all know. Oh, my gosh. You, you should, should make like, a, like those auto bingo and see if you can have people. Oh, I've got some of those from when we go on road trips. I'm going to make one and put it yeah. on the window. Yeah. You should also have like a feeding activity at the beginning and they have to like put a ticket in or something. Yes, I love it. <laughs> or answer a question, pull it out of their mouth, kind of reverse. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. I just came from, I was running from a ceremony at my church today. They have the blessing of the animals and it is like uh -huh. so crazy to see people bring like all their pets and mm -hmm. it's just like there were all these dogs in the church. It's on our story actually. And my own dog was 
embarrassing the family because <laughs> oh, no. he was just like way too overwhelmed with there's like people had dogs in carriages and all different sized dogs and there's all this barking going on but they also had like their their pet lizard in a box or like bunnies oh, it was just like a little bit too much for my dog to handle but. my dogs are not well behaved they could not go to church under any circumstances no, no. and we brought both kids I have a, a seven month old and a four year old and my husband was looking at me like why did we agree to do this? Are we crazy? <laughs> this is not a relaxing Sunday. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, you, you're doing a lot. You have TBT, you have blogging and social media. So do you have any tips for those looking to tackle um, all of those things? I do. Number one, listen to those who have gone before you and respect the knowledge that they have gained with their experience because I don't effectively, or I did not effectively grow as a seller um, until about four years ago when I made a connection with and became close friends with my Texas SLP group. Um, we all get this business. We get each other. We're all working two jobs. Um, we support each other tremendously. So that would be my number one. Number two, in order to be productive, I have to set goals and make lists. I have to plan ahead. I have to accomplish one thing at a time because when I don't do that, I just sit on the couch and overwhelm myself with all these ideas. I have so many ideas of things I want to make and there's no way that I can make everything. So I just have to focus on one product at a time and, you know, don't try to do anything else until that is done. So that is what I have to do. Those are great that's, tips. That's really effective <laughs> advice because I feel like that's my problem too. Sometimes I have three or four different projects going at one time and it's like, then those uh, internet tabs are open, but like mm -hmm. in your brain, you know, <laughs> and like there's just always something to think about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> great advice. I like the idea too of like listening to those who have gone before you. Um, we had Gail Van Tatenhove, who's like an AAC pioneer yes. recently, and uh, she talked a lot about that. Like she said, you know, I might be the pioneer now, but I like stepped on the shoulders mm -hmm. of, you know, other people before me. So, mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of great places you can get that kind of community, whether it's a, a shared Facebook group or going to these events like the TPT conference, you know, meeting mm -hmm. people and networking. So I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, should we get to our game? Yeah, so we have the um, Would You Rather game. Okay. <laughs> For you. So we will, um, we'll just read maybe like five or six of these and uh, see what you would rather do. Okay. I'll, I'll let Kim go first. Sure. Would you rather read minds or see into the future? Oh, I would rather read minds. Definitely. <laughs> sure. I need to know what people are thinking because I'm very self-conscious and so I'm always worried. <laughs> I feel like it'll be better that way too because I just, I, I forget. Oh, I think it's in Girl, Wash Your Face. She talks about that. Like sometimes we, we think people are focusing on us, but like everyone's focused on themselves and right. it would probably be a positive experience if you right. do that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. What would you rather? I think read minds too for the same reason though like I want to know what people are thinking or if they're being honest plus too I feel like if you could see into the future then you may try to like alter what you would do to make something happen and that might not necessarily be the right path to yeah I'm okay with how things happen in the future I'm pretty sure that you know our steps are ordained and so I just kind of feel like what's going to happen is going to happen you know so I don't really want to know what's going to happen in the future yeah I yeah. agree Okay, would you rather lose your sense of smell or lose your sense of taste? 
Hmm, probably smell because I really like to eat. And so if I lost my sense of taste, but they're kind of connected. So I don't know, I guess definitely smell. I need yeah. to be able to taste those chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I think whoever mm. created this didn't know about that olfactor, the yes. olfactory senses and how it right. works together, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, eat pizza every day or never be able to eat pizza again. Hmm. Well, next to tacos, pizza is probably my second favorite thing. So I would rather eat it every day. <laughs> Same. But also tacos. I just loaded up so that we could have a taco Tuesday with enough that we had leftovers for taco Wednesday and Thursday. Awesome. <laughs> I can eat tacos every day. Same. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Would you rather. Okay. I feel like this is like a speechy question. Uh -huh. Never be able to speak again or never be able to stop talking. Um. I think I'd rather never be able to speak again because I don't want to hear my voice all the time <laughs> talking and talking. Plus, I'm pretty proficient in Proloco to go, so I could make that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I feel like my husband would say that I already never stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is your choice, not his. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, oh, this is a creepy one. <laughs> know when you'll die or know how you'll die oh I don't want to know how so I guess when okay. I don't know really I feel grim. like it's, that's like so grim it's like yeah okay. I don't know to know the exact day I guess when so you can plan accordingly mm -hmm. as to like all the things you want to do yeah all right let's end on a happier note yeah <laughs> can't end on that one <laughs> um would you rather be Batman or Spider-Man Hmm. Spider-Man, because he can climb all over everywhere. Batman can't. Does he even fly? I think he just kind of coasts down. He doesn't even, he doesn't really have any real superpowers. He, he just has the belt. In Justice League, the movie, um, someone asks him, what's your superpower? And he says, I'm rich. But I agree, Spider-Man all the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. This has been so much fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Guess what? We know the podcast episode is over, but the fun doesn't have to end. Head on over to Facebook and join the Speechy Side Up podcast group to get weekly inspiration and check out discussions around each episode. We can't wait to see you there.